The Pet Milk Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The first evaporated milk, Pet Milk, presents Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, Dick Legrand, Ken Christie, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The show is written by Phil Leslie and Keith Fowler and directed by Max Hutto with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Keeping up with your family's appetites and keeping food costs down are big jobs these days. But when you cook with pet evaporated milk, it's easy to fix better, more nourishing meals at lower cost. And here's why. Pet milk is good, sweet country milk with more than half the water removed. The result is a concentrated milk that's twice as rich as ordinary bottled milk. So, of course, by using pet milk, you add extra nourishment to favorite family dishes and make them taste better, too. And you cut down on your food bill because pet milk costs less generally than any other form of milk. Is it any wonder that pet milk is the first choice of good cooks? If you haven't already discovered how extra delicious, extra nourishing pet milk can make your favorite foods taste, try it tomorrow. Ask your grocer for pet milk, the first evaporated milk. Mr. McGee of 79 Wistful Vista is not only a close student of politics, but he's a very fast man with a prediction. As far back as 1920, he gave his friends a hot tip on the presidential race when he said as follows. Harding for president? Ah, he hasn't got a chance. Well, Mr. Harding came and went. Mr. Coolidge came and went. Mr. Hoover came and went. And Mr. Roosevelt came and stayed. And in 1937, Mr. McGee had this to say. President Roosevelt? Nah, he don't want a second term. In 1941, he said... President Roosevelt? Nah, he don't want no third term. And in 1945, he said... President Roosevelt? I'm not talking. But he's talking now, and he's talking politics, as we join Fibber McGee and Molly. This is it, Molly. This is it. It's happened at last. I got it this morning. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, what is it? What have you got? Are you sick? No, no. I got a telegram, kiddo. I'm in politics. Oh, no. I think I'm going to be sick now. No, no. Let me read this to you. It come while you were downtown. It says, Mr. Fibber McGee, 79 Wistful Vista. You have been recommended to handle my 1952 campaign. We'll contact you at 3 p.m. today. Signed, Senator Selesko. <laughs> this is it. One question. Shoot. Who is Senator Celesco? You never heard of Senator Celesco, that great and fearless friend of the people? Never. Me neither. It's <laughs> a difference. Nobody ever knows the names of them state senators anyhow. But they will. With me running Celesco's campaign for him, I'll spread him around like tar on a hot roof. You really think you can help him, huh? Help him? Huh. I'll re-elect him senator just like that. Then governor. Then president. I might even go a step further and put him in the steel business. Well, you certainly make everything sound mighty simple. Well, the minute that telegram come, my brain started clicking out ideas. I'm going to organize a big rally for tomorrow night. Line up the city hall crowd. Call Kramer's Drugstore and order cigars. Cigars? Yep. Going to get a few boxes of alfalfa Coronas for passing out. Uh... <laughs> you certainly picked the right cigars. Anybody who smokes those things is sure to pass out. No, I meant I'm going to hand them out to the voters, you see, and get them in line. Come in. 
Well, good morning, Dr. Gamble. Good morning, my dear. And a slight tilt of the head to you, faded face. <laughs> Hi, stumble stomach. <laughs> For once, I'm glad to see you, boy. I got a proposition to make to all the big men in Whistle Vista, and you're about the biggest. Thank you. <laughs> in fact, you looked like you went to the races, came home in a barrel, and then put some clothes on over it. <laughs> That's no way to talk to the good doctor. Oh, it's all right, my dear. I take no offense at remarks made by a little shrimp who weighs several pounds less than my left leg. (laughs) What's the proposition, Tiny? I've been asked to handle his 1952 campaign by Senator Celesco. I don't believe I know that name. You don't know anybody's name. Or anybody's face, either. You spend so much time looking inside people that their outsides don't mean a thing. You'd be surprised how much more interesting people are that way. I've seen you pass your best friends on the street and not even see them. But if an appendix went by, you'd tip your hat. Well, an appendix has never owed me money. But some of my best friends, such as you, have owed me... That ain't important. The important thing is I'm going to get Celesco re-elected. Oh, stop it. Re-elected in a pig's left eardrum. What? Well, you couldn't get Marilyn Monroe elected mascot by the Marine Corps. (laughs) Oh, is that so, you big flabbermouth? Now, Doctor, I seem to remember that McGee handled Mort Toops' campaign last year when Mort ran for secretary of the Elks Club, didn't he? He did indeed, Molly. You betcha. I was there when the election ended and Mort tried to beat him to death with a pool cue. Oh, no, he didn't. And he would have, too, if some hothead with more muscles and brains hadn't stepped in and stopped it. Who, Doctor? Me. (laughs) Fool that I was. Seems to me I've always been stepping between McGee and somebody with an upraised pool cue. No more toops don't scare me, Doc. Come on, Fatso. Come on, go out and get some boats lined up for me, will you? And get back here by 3 o'clock. I want you to meet the senator personal. I'll be here. And I'll bring along an instrument to measure his skull. Measure his skull? Yes, any man who wants you for a campaign manager should have his head examined. (laughs) That lot he knows about politics probably thinks the Secretary of the Interior does operations. <laughs> well, I better get busy here. Where's my typewriter? Typewriter? Sure, my typewriter. Where's my typewriter? Oh, I know where that baby is. Right here in the hall closet. Oh, no, Mickey, don't open that closet. <laughs> Oh, I remember now. I haven't got a typewriter. Billy Mills presents a number written by George M. Cohen in 1906, Popularity, featuring Buddy Cole at the piano.
Ordered. More Toops is looking for a place to hold the rally tomorrow night. Oh, I know what I want to do next. Order some buttons. Buttons? Yep, I want to get a price on 10,000 red, white, and blue buttons that say, Let's go with Celesco. And one medium brown button that don't say anything. <laughs> What's the brown one for? The top of my vest. <laughs> I popped it off just thinking about what a big man I'll be when hand me the phone. Here you are. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the Atterbury Button Company. George, is that you, Mert? Oh, dear. How's every little thing, Myrtle? It is, eh? What's say, Mert? Your cousin Frank had an argument with his wife at bedtime, went downstairs and blew his head off. Oh, how dreadful. What caused the argument? A glass of beer. <laughs> he took it upstairs, got into bed, and started to blow the head off it. <laughs> his wife said it might get on the blanket, so he went downstairs and blew his head off. <laughs> say, the line's busy, Mert? Okay, I'll call later. I'll get Atterbury later. Right now, I better get... Come oh. in. Ah, good morning, missus. The same to you, McGee. Good morning, Ollie. Oh, hi, Ollie. Say, you can help me out, boy. I'm in politics now. I'm running the campaign for Senator Celesco. And you can line up the votes for me at the Elks Club. <laughs> Not me, McGee. Huh? Me and my missus get mixed up with politics once, and since then, I leave them alone. Hmm? Oh, what happened to you and your wife, Ollie? Well, in the mail, we get two letters with pictures of two fellers. Yeah. One says, vote for Smith, and the other says, vote for Jones. Mm -hmm. Well, I like Smith because he has a nice square head, like my Uncle Oscar. <laughs> but the missus, she likes Jones because he got curly hair and a dimple. <laughs> as good a reasons as any. So she tries to change my mind, and I try to change hers. I see. Jones is the farmer's friend, she says. But we ain't farmers, I say. No, she says, but it's good for a farmer to have a friend. <laughs> On the farm, it gets very lonesome. Yeah. Now, there's a fine hunk of logic. Smith is as honest as the day is long, I say. Yeah? Maybe, she says, but who watches him at night? Well, that's not a bad argument. Oh, it's got to be very unhandy, missus. Before politics, when we go to bed, I'd say, good night, sweetheart. And she'd say, good night, sweetheart, and leave it kiss. After politics, I say, Smith, she says, yawns, and we yank out the light. <laughs> It all work out, Ollie. Well, finally comes election day, and we vote. I say, if Smith don't win, you can give me a swift kick. And the missus say, if Jones don't win, you can give me one. 
Well, who won? A fella named Yo Hebert. <laughs> so, me and the Mrs. Week take each other and live happy ever after so long, don't you? <laughs> Well, so much for him. When I get Celesco elected again, Ollie will be sorry he didn't get on the bandwagon. I remember Uncle Dennis went on the bandwagon one time, yeah. but he fell off New Year's Eve. And... No, no. Oh, no, no, yeah. that was just the wagon, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but just think what I'm going to do with that guy, Molly. Senator, governor, and then the White House. And when I move Celesco in there, Tootsie, you and I move in with him. Ah, oh, won't that be cozy. <laughs> I'll say, you know what's the first thing I'll do after we're in the White House? What? Paint it blue. Painted blue. Always been my favorite color. It'll be just like that song we used to sing. Just Molly and me and Celesco makes three. We're happy in my blue White House. <laughs> Hello, Molly. Hi, pal. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. I got some news for you, boy. Would it surprise you if I turned out to be the boss of this country? Pal, it would surprise me if you turned out to be the boss of this house. Oh, you said something there. <laughs> this is politics I'm talking about, Junior. I've just been made campaign manager for Senator Celesco. May we count on your vote? Well, I don't know. I like to be on the winning side, pal. I always vote for the strongest candidate. Well, how can you be sure which candidate is the strongest? Oh, that's easy. I merely find out which one was a pet milk baby. <laughs> uh, plenty of pet milk babies hold public office today. Yeah. And you can always tell which ones they are, too. Sure you can. Just look around Washington, and if it wears a diaper, it's a baby. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, after they're grown up, they hold office, Molly. Oh. You know how to tell uh, which ones were raised on pet? No, how do you tell that? Well, look, let's suppose that we're at a meeting of the Senate yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. Every single senator is there, all 96 of them. All at once? Oh, that'll be the day, all right. <laughs> all right, now, one senator is making a speech and the others are listening. Yeah? Seven hours he's been speaking. Boy. But he shows no signs of tiring. He's got endurance. So he's the pet milk baby, huh? No, the other 95 are. Huh? It takes endurance to make a seven-hour speech, of course, but it takes more endurance to listen to one. Here, here! Do you realize that if it wasn't for Pet, this country might not have any politicians at all? Well, how do you figure that, Mr. Wilcox? Well, Molly, many years ago, people were divided in their views about Pet Milk. They were? Yes, yes. <laughs> Some thought you should be conservative and buy it by the can. They did? Yes. Others thought you should... <laughs> Others thought you should go further and buy it by the crate. Well, the argument went on and on and on and on, and finally, finally, the two groups became political parties. You don't mean... Yes, the Republicans and the Democrats. <laughs> Goodbye now. This side Wilcox is on, kiddo. I've been wondering that for years. Well, I can't worry about him. i got work to do. Brain work. To be a success in politics, kiddo, you got to think fast. You can do it. Well, I always have. They still talk about the fast thinking I done in the courtroom the time I won the case of the vase back in Peoria. I never heard about that. I never told you about the platter of fudge and the pudgy judge and the stolen vase case in Peoria. You never did. Well, sit down, baby, and I will. You see, Bud uh, Mudge was our local judge, and old pudgy Judge Mudge loved fudge. Well, who doesn't? I handled a case for a guy named Pace charged with stealing a vase from the Grace Vase Works. And... <laughs> When Grace waved the vase in the judge's face, you could see Pace's case was shaky. It looked bad, did it? Well, I could see Judge Mudge had some kind of grudge, but I judged the judge was just hungry. So in court, I trudged with a platter of fudge, went up to the judge, gave him a nudge, and I won me the case of Grace versus Pace just by bringing old Judge Mudge fudge. <laughs> Well, 
bits in it because I like <laughs> Hold it, Molly. Another voter, I think. Come in. Hello there, kids. Hi, daughter. Hi, Johnny. Hello, Mr. Oldtimer. Hi, Oldtimer. How are you going to vote for senator this year? Same way I always do, Johnny. Yeah. Just walk in the booth, grab me a ballot, mark a big X onto it, take the five dollars, go to the next precinct. No! <laughs> Who are you voting for, Mr. Yeah, I'm in politics this year, old-timer. Handling the campaign to keep Senator Celesco in office and off the streets. Because an out-of-work senator... Well, now, politics is a fascinating game, kids. Yeah? Used to be in it myself. Hmm? Matter of fact, I was elected judge at one time in the town of Buzzard Notch out west. Oh, that must have been quite an honor, Mr. Oldtimer, being a judge. What were your qualifications? Well, the judge had to sit behind a big wooden desk with a gavel in his hand. Yeah? Buzzard Notch was a hard-drinking town, and I was the only man who stayed sober enough to hit that desk with a gavel. <laughs> I could do it two times out of three. <laughs> Buzzard Knots must have been a pretty rugged town. Oh, it sure was, Johnny. Yeah. Sort of a shooting gallery with sidewalks. <laughs> he had plenty of tough hombres, but the toughest was Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack. One day he was strolling down the street and the Beasley boys snuck up and put 57 bullets in. And that was the end of Cactus Jack. Nope, the Beasley boys wasn't his social equal, so he just ignored them and went on strolling. Then <laughs> a week later, he died of thirst. Died of thirst? Yep, on account of them 57 holes in him. When he took a drink, all the water leaked out. How long did you work as judge there? Well, quite a spell, daughter. Then a stranger rode in town one day, gunning for a bandit. Yeah. Said the bandit raided his gold mine and headed into town. Wanted my help. Could he describe the bandit all right? Not too good, daughter. Only saw him from a distance, said he was wearing a hat with a silver band and riding a pinto pony. Well, did you ever catch the crook? Nope. After I talked to the stranger, I went home, put on my hat with a silver band, clumb out of my pinto pony, and hightailed it out of town. <laughs> so long, kid. <laughs> The King's Men and the Summertime Medley. Summertime is here and everybody's happy Cause it's watermelon weather That summer kind of weather When people get together and sing It's a time of year the stars seem to dance with laughter And the moon's so big and ripe it can hardly climb So why don't you meander to your best girl's surrender and sort of, kind of, hand her the ring. For it's the sweetheart kissing season, the world's in rhyme, when it's watermelon, watermelon time. Cuckoo singing his heart out, Robin raising a dick. But it's so rare as June in the air, summer is a-coming Look at him go, so easy and slow. Summer is a coming. What's all the hurly burly? Hurly burly. There's a noise that's mighty queer. What shall I hear? Can it be that school's out early? Could it be laughter I hear? Feel a strange kind of stirring. Something's bound to begin. The world is grand in its Sunday color meeting best. Summer is a comedy. Well, it's that sweetheart kissing season. The world is all in rhyme. Well, it's 
This campaign is really shaping up, Molly. I want to write down a few ideas for Celesco's platform while they're fresh in my mind. Where's my automatic pencil? In your tweed vest. Well, where's my tweed vest? At the cleaners. Oh. Well, call the cleaners and tell them to write this down. <laughs> you tell it to me, dearie, and I'll jot it down with my eyebrow pencil. Okay, put this down. Senator Celesco on foreign policy. Foreign policy? Yep. Good. How does he stand on our foreign policy? Well, he's against them. He thinks we should cancel our foreign policies and buy our insurance here at home. <laughs> <clears throat> Gee whiz, don't you get it, Molly? That's an H.B. Kaltenborn type of pun based on the... Stay in funny, McGee. Ain't? That's odd. I fractured him with that gag when Coolidge was running. Everybody laughed but him. And he... That ought to be La Trivier, Doc Gamble, because they're both... Come in! Oh, it's his honor, the mayor. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Good afternoon, Molly. Hello, McGee. Hi, La Trivia. I'm glad you could get here, boy. You're one of the lucky few that I, as campaign manager, have chose to meet our own beloved Senator Celesco. Aren't I the lucky one? <laughs> Wait till you hear the platform I got for Celesco. First thing I'm going to have him do is cut down government spending. Great. How's he going to do that, dearie? Very simple. Chop down taxes, that's all. If the government ain't got it, they can't spend it, can they? Oh, you dreamer, you. <laughs> you happy, foolish dreamer. Well, you hear the rest of the platform. You'll be glad to hop on the bandwagon, then. Oh, hop on the bandwagon, Say, uh, Mr. Mayor, what does that expression mean? All you politicians talk about hopping on the bandwagon. Can you explain it to me? Well, I think so, Molly. Look, let us say that I have a friend who has hated me for years. Yes? Now, this friend has planted so many knives in my back that I can't even button my overcoat. A close friend? Yes, yes. This friend of mine is at the beach one day, and he sees me fall off the pier into 50 feet of water. Now, what does he do? He jumps in after you. Oh, no. No, not him. Oh? He sits down on the pier, slings mud at me, and throws brickbats at my head every time it shows above water. Oh, dear. I finally go down for the 14th time, but when I come up this time, I'm holding a large chest full of pirate gold that I found below. Oh, uh-huh. then what? Well, I'm almost drowned, but I drag the gold ashore and haul it up on the sand. And then, when I'm safely out of the water, my friend rushes over, throws his arms around me and says, Homer, old friend, let me help you carry that heavy gold up to my house, old pal. That is called hopping on the bandwagon. Well, that's very interesting. I've always wondered... Come in. Hello there, Mr. Wimple. Oh, hi, Wimp. Hello, folks. Hi, Wallace. I was out in my bird book uh, bird watching Mrs. McGee, and guess what I saw on your front porch? A bird. <laughs> well, you'll hear a lot of those when the campaign speeches start, Mr. Wimple. Oh, this was a very rare bird, Mrs. McGee. A genuine eagle-beak omelet bird. Fascinating. <laughs> An omelet bird? Where did it ever get a name like that, Mr. Wimple? From its nesting habits. Yeah? You see, the eagle-beaked omelet bird doesn't build a nest at all. It just hangs by its beak over the edge of a high cliff and lays its eggs on the rocks miles below. Oh? Nobody's ever seen an egg, just omelets, hence the name. I got back as soon as I could. Did I miss anything? Yes, you just missed hearing me tell about the rare eagle beat omelet bird, Doctor. You see the omelet Pipe bird... down, pipe down, Wallace. It's about time for the senator to get here. Well, personally, I've never heard of the man, McGee. Is there actually a senator, Celesco? What do you mean, is there actually? 
Why, here, look at this telegram that come this morning. Read it to them, dear. Yeah, let's hear it. Mr. Fibber McGee, 79 Wistful Vista. You have been recommended to handle my 1952 campaign. We'll contact you today at 3 p.m. Signed, Senator Selesko. Well, if it was anybody but you, McGee, I'd say that this oh, was... Oh, 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 this is him. Now, quiet, everybody. Come on to the door with me, Molly. My goodness, a real senator. This is exciting. Hello, are you Mr. McGee? Well, that's me, all right, and this is my wife, Molly. Molly, this is the senator himself. How do you do, I'm sure? We got your wire, senator, and I already started your campaign rolling. Good, 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 but you don't need to call me senator, Mr. McGee. Well, I don't know your first name. The telegram was just signed plain Senator Celesco, so I didn't know what... Senator Celesco? Yeah. Oh, 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 the telegraph clerk must have run the words together. Let's see that wire, McGee. Spell it out. Well, it says there plain enough, senator. S-A-L-E-S. Oh, sales. C-O? Company? The Senator Sales Company? Oh. Sure, we sell Senator Razor Blades. Oh. Our 1952 campaign. <laughs> and I thought the Razor Blades. Have you got a sharp one handy, bud? I'm going to cut my throat. Every Molly return in a moment. Every mother wants the best for her baby. And when it comes to choosing between one brand of milk and another, this you can count on. There's no better milk than pet evaporated milk. No other milk you can buy is easier for your baby to digest than pet milk. No other milk is safer than pet milk. And no other milk in the world can do more for your baby than pet milk can. You see, pet milk has a combination of milk minerals and vitamin D that a baby must have in order to make good steady growth and have strong straight bones and sound teeth. And every can of pet milk has the important seal of acceptance of the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association. Not every milk merits that important seal. So, if your baby is a bottle baby, you can be sure you're doing the right thing when you give him pet milk, the first evaporated milk, the first food for millions of sturdy, happy babies. Well, dearie, it's been another wonderful season, hasn't it? Yep, it's been weighed that way by a lot of wonderful people who've listened to us every Tuesday night. Thanks so much to all of you. It's time for us to leave you again for the summer. But we're leaving you in good hands. As an old friend of ours and an old favorite of yours is bringing you his truth or consequences. He's right here with us, Mr. Ralph Edwards. Thank you, Mr. McGee and Molly. All I can say is I hope I can bring them as much fun this summer as you've brought them all these years. How many years? Oh, I don't know, Molly, about, uh, 15? Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. That's a very good try, but it's not the truth, so you'll have to take the consequences. What are the consequences? You'll have to stand right here by this micronome every Tuesday night at the same time, <laughs> all summer long, for pet milk. I'll do that, Fibber, starting next Tuesday. Well, swell, Ralph. We'll be listening. Thank you. Well, Molly... I guess that wraps it up, huh? Just one more word to our friends, dearie. Don't go away. We'll be back in the fall. So watch for us. Good night. Good night, all. Sometimes a woman believes she must try not to become the proverbial mother-in-law. What happens when a devoted mother thinks she is doing the right thing by refusing to help her son save his career as well as his marriage is told in the story of the week on Pet Milk's Mary Lee Taylor program next Saturday morning. Together with this story of modern marriage, you'll hear Mary Lee Taylor's recipe of the week for Double Fudge Sunday, a new easy way to make a favorite summertime dessert more delicious than ever. Tune in sure next Saturday morning to NBC for the big double feature Mary Lee Taylor program. Tonight, hear What's My Line on NBC.